Welcome back to the TCP. I grew up, uh, I call it, uh, kind of in the middle class band. Of, uh, I grew up with a number of white people. Like, um, it, you know, it's not like we were close with other Vietnamese people, um, especially because a lot of them had the same refugee experience coming over as what people. I learned later only about half the people who set out by boat uh, made it. You know, they were waylaid by the weather, by pirates, uh, you know, theft, robbery, rape, all that wonderful stuff that happens during uh, unsettled times. Uh, my parents actually um, had been robbed by pirates and probably bad things were going to happen. But uh, this is, I'm a little unclear this part, but I, uh, my dad said, like, I think an American destroyer or something showed up and uh, scared the pirates off and they went on to a Malaysian refugee camp. But uh, you know, when we finally settled in Edmonton after moving from Kelowna, uh, you know, we settled into the immigrant quarter. That's around 107th Avenue. Um, I can't remember what they call it now. It's like um, I'm not going to even guess because I'm going to mess it up. And it's typically uh, the area in the inner core, just outside of downtown proper, it's always been kind of the lower in income, uh, kind of the starter area. For immigrants. Uh, you'll probably see the odd story now and then, uh, usually negative, about gangs, drugs, bad living conditions, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, waves of immigrants pass through there. Uh, you know, it, I can't remember who came before Vietnamese, I'm assuming Chinese, right? I saw other Southeast Asian people, Cambodians, uh, living in the area. Now, uh, I don't know about now in 2021, but uh, when we left that area, uh, more and more Africans, uh, folks from Africa, actually from Africa, uh, had been like uh, you know fleeing wars, same as us, and moving into the area as well. And um, in any case, back in during my childhood in the 80s, like you know, I had a rough time with other Vietnamese kids. Uh, you because know, I didn't speak Vietnamese at all, right? My mom made sure me and the bro learned English first because my mom has seen uh, how the, the other Vietnamese kids were being bullied because they didn't know English. But then I got bullied by them because I didn't know Vietnamese. So life goes on. And to be a little uh, jump here, I had to recollect myself. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going. Uh, you know, grew up in the 80s, I know there's like revival, trying people trying to revive, I don't know where it started, revival the 80s. Uh, I wore capris, I guess that's what all my, my parents could afford after a while. Like my dad, uh, you know, he actually uh, broke his spine, thankfully he didn't get paralyzed, but you know, he lost his job. Got it, you know, turned to my mom, who had been uh, at home. You know, taking care of us because that's the way my dad wanted things. She had to go work, and you know, it kind of led to some conflict later, and probably led to part of the reason why my parents got divorced. Uh, but yeah, the '80s had bad clothes, big hair, uh, the boys on the bus, the famed Edmonton Oilers dynasty. Uh, I watched hockey. I I don't know who introduced me to it. It definitely wasn't my family. I'm the only person in my family who uh, really watches sports regularly, and even that's in decline. 
but uh, you know, it was lucky to cash in the heyday. Uh, heyday also of Joe Montana and the 49ers. I, I know, uh, you know, probably without a doubt now that Tom Brady is the GOAT, the greatest of all time in NFL, but in my heart, that's still Joe Montana. Um, you know, in spite of the win, not having as many wins and all that, but you know, each to their own. Uh, just back to the immigrant quarter. So there were places like usually arcades and stuff like I pool halls. You know, they didn't seem seedy. Uh, I remember my dad would like meet up with other Vietnamese people, other Vietnamese guys, and just kind of hang out and have a coffee or a beer or something. And I kind of remember my mom giving my dad absolute help for taking me to these places because she knew all those places were hideouts for drug dealers, for gang members. And uh, if you were in Edmonton or knew about Edmonton in the 90s, there was a big scare about Vietnamese gangs. You know, and not like it wasn't without some legitimacy. And um, so this is my speculation, is that going back to, you know, kids who came over, uh, you know, a little bit older, right, union to their teens, they had a hard time adjusting to living in Canada because, you know, they didn't know the language. You know, you don't have, you didn't grow up with the culture, right? You remember home. Home was Vietnam, right? And wherever you you grow up, it leaves an imprint on you. So when people tell me to go back to, you want know, to say, Vietnam or China, you know, it's double ignorant because one, I was born here, I grew up here. I know nothing about the culture back there. I don't even know tidbits, right? It's, you know, wherever the place you end up, it's what saturates experiences any case so and these folks have a hard time right and there's an expectation like you know you can call it chauvinistic or whatever that you know men are supposed to be the breadwinners this is i call it like you know 50s mentality right and uh so there's pressure you know to you know earn money you know sometimes it you know that interpretation is not necessarily through honest work Right, because you know immigrants tend to get paid lower because you know we don't don't know what the wage scale is, don't know the legal the uh, you know the labor laws that kind of thing, right? So you get kind of taken advantage of. But you know some of these kids, you know they, I mean you know it's like you know you see some of these gangster movies, right? Uh, like Goodfellas, um, not Heat. Uh, what's the other one? Anyways. Movies like that, right? And it's not like, you know, none there's the same movies, but it's the idea that, you know, these gangsters are rolling in dough and women, they have the freedom to do what they want, right? And there's no pressure on them. And it lures some of these people in. Like, I had some family members get pulled in, uh, you know, into the drug trade, right? They got, uh, you know, lured in for various reasons, right? And I'm sure a number of people, and I got fulfilling the, the Vietnamese stereotype, you know, coming from the 90s. And, you know, the family members who ended up, uh, <coughs> excuse me, doing this, right, you know, they ended up in jail. They, you know, they did their time. They got out. Um, but my dad told me, one of his nuggets of wisdom is that, you know, when you leave a gang, you never leave a gang. Because you know people. You know what they've done. You're always on their radar, right? Uh, one of the family members, you know, I've seen uh, 
<clears throat> my family's seen them on and off and tried to connect to our family. And he did for a little bit. And, uh, you know, my dad noticed, like, you know, he had opened a, a shop with his current uh, living spouse, right? You know, and he visited a couple of times. So he noticed it wasn't very busy, right? You know, and had suspicion that it was just pretty much a front for laundering, laundering money, right? And I found out later uh, through, uh, you know, people my ex knew or her, her family knew, right, that a lot of Businesses could be like that, you know, legitimate business fronts. And, and this is not isolated to vegan people. All, all sorts of people do this, right? You know, you have a business. It doesn't seem like this very busy, but it stays open for a while. Quite a while. Uh, so funny thing that came out of that was, so in, um, this is the later 90s. I'm in, I'm in high school. And uh, I think the Vietnamese gang paranoia kind of hit a peak. Because I believe two brothers got stabbed in broad daylight in public in Westminster Mall. One died. Um, so one of my high school friends, his mother actually forbade him, and he didn't stare, but forbade him from, you know, hanging out with me because I was a gang. Not I was a gang member. I myself, a single individual Vietnamese male, was a gang. Right. White suburban middle class mom. That kind of wraps up the 90s for me. Um, but, you know, and there were other places uh, that got affected, like um, there used to be a, a Chinese restaurant. Mainly, you know, people mainly went there for dim sum. And, you know, they would hold like weddings and stuff, right, in the evening. And one, one uh, wedding, uh, you know, for a Vietnamese guy, uh, some other uh, rival gang showed up, and I don't know if they killed them. I, I only saw a bit of pieces. They got shot up for sure, the, the groom and the bride, because the groom had stolen that bride from another, from a rival gang member. And uh, so the, the the scorned lover got revenge. I only thing I remember out of this, like we got like a 23% on dim sum from then on at that place, because people were scared. Go to the restaurant. Uh, I make light of it. You know, it is terrible. But, you know, because I'm not directly impacted. Kind of a little funny. I, I'm a dick that way. And, uh, you know, it's not just an Edmonton that has problem. Like Calgary um, has, has the occasional shooting. Usually in the Northeast, that's their immigrant section. You know, the poorer area of the city. You know, every so often you hear someone getting shot up in a noodle shop. Uh... There was one year in Edmonton, just a few years ago, I'm just trying to remember, in the 20 teens, like 2015, 2016, and we had just merged, our company had just merged and absorbed a different, smaller company. And one of the guys there, you know, got talking with him, like he, he knew people on the inside, on in gangs and stuff, and he told me, like, you know, this year don't be surprised if there's a rise in, you know, Murders where, you know, the police will claim they don't know what's going on, right? And it'll seem like a bunch of random murders. And he was right. And it was because uh, a higher profile gang member from one gang had been had been offed, right? And it started a, a gang war. Uh, he also told me that, uh, yeah, I don't have any veracity on these, these claims, but, you know, if a white girl's hanging out with 
you know, dating the other guy. It's it's cocaine. Uh, he also, you know, he, as we've seen in the you know, number of movies, like uh, cop movies, that if you're in an arc squad, you're probably dirty. Uh, training Day comes to mind, and if, you know, that may be, you know, maybe closer to the truth than, than not, according to this fellow I was talking to. Uh, you know, just sorry, I'm jumping around, my memory is just kind of hazy. I did remember in um, coming home one time when I still live in, in the immigrant quarter. I was on the bus. So there's broad daylight. So there's two vehicles kind of parked down the smaller street, right? They're facing each other, having a chat. One was a minivan on the left and the opposite facing car on the right. You know, kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, but a guy hopped out of the minivan from the sliding door side, right? Waving a machete. Came charging around and tried to take a chop by the guy. He put a chop in the guy's hood. He messed up. He, I believe he dropped the machete, hopped back in the van, and they peeled off like the door still open. Right? And everyone on the bus was gasping or whatever. I just kind of like, yeah, welcome to the hood. And, uh, you know, the the near uh, victim in the car, you know, ripped right across, you know, the main main boulevard we were on. Right? You know, in reverse. Right? Put it into drive and start chasing after them. Both vehicles, they're screened past a cop car. Turned the other way. Now, mind you, the minivan saw the door open. The guy probably wasn't sitting yet, or you know, at least didn't have a seatbelt. And they're screaming down, you know, a residential boulevard, right? In dense, dense area of the city. And the cop turned the other way. So, whatever you're viewing cops, you know, they don't, I know they don't have an easy job. Um, I've never had too many runs-ins, thankfully, uh, or especially uh, because I'm I'm not Caucasian. I've been lucky that way. You know, just kind of put things in perspective on what some police's priorities are. Oh yeah. Uh, now um, now I'm just jumping around again to just remembering a time. Uh, yeah, when I was the ex. Her aunt, uh, who knew quite a few people, right? She was kind of a prominent, more prominent member of, of the local Vietnamese community. And, uh, you know, she asked if we could do a night trip down to Calgary because it was to celebrate a person she knew to celebrate their birthday. You know, we went to, you know, had a banquet at a Chinese restaurant, right? That's kind of typical. You know, I've, I've been to a number of banquets for weddings and stuff, right, for other celebrations. This time it was different. I like there's different grades of Chinese banquets, right? And the higher, the higher the grade, the more pricey items usually have more seafood, you know, in, including shark fin soup. Um, you know, I don't know that's still now. This was when we went was five to ten years ago, right? So I know there's been movements like, you know, generally to go get away from shark fin soup, but. You know, mem- mer- older members of the generation and, you know, people who still follow uh, those beliefs, those older um, beliefs and the older culture, right, will still have it. Um, but anyways, so we, I think believe we had shark fantasy. That was kind of the first sign. Because that's not, that stuff's not cheap, right? Uh, I can't tell you how much it is, but I know, you know a bowl of it is, you know, the price of sometimes like, you know, a uh, number of big plates of food for, for regular folks, for most folks, and not regular folks, for most folks. And there's a couple other items I've never really seen before. 
Spanish banquets, and the end the dessert was like kind of this mango pudding, and um, it was really nice. Uh, but usually, you know, you get kind of this red bean dessert, usually overly sweet or you know orange slices, that kind of thing, right, to kind of cleanse the palate, you know, ease the stomach uh, for the, you know after a big meal. But I noticed that everyone was drinking. I wasn't drinking because I had to drive. Everyone was drinking. You know, guys and ladies. And these are, you know, folks who are a bit older, you know, than me, right? 10, 20 years older than me, younger than my parents. But typically, people of that generation, uh, you know, they'd be in their 50s, 70s now. The ladies do not drink. Again, this is, I'm, you know, calling back to the, you know, 50s mentality. Like, it, it was my understanding that, you know, many people, older people had told me that, you know, if ladies drank, they were bad, right? So, you know, that kind of, you know, put something on my radar. And to the ladies, you know, they kind of turned to each other, like, you know, we were sitting close to them, they are talking about handbags. This one lady's like, oh, I bought this handbag for $3,000. But I changed my mind, I'm like, you, do you want to buy it off me for 700 You know, help, help a sister out, right? She tells the other lady. You know, it kind of sealed it for me. Right, because you know they're you know it's, they're getting rowdy drunk, right? If you you've been you've ever drank and you know been with a number of people, you know there's certain types of uh, drunkenness. Like I'm I'm a chatty drunk, right? I turn into the professor, you know, a stupid professor, a nutty professor, but the professor. These people were getting rowdy, right? But the restaurant wasn't doing anything about it, right? Think you know the maybe the you know the head. Uh, server just say you know just keep it down for other folks but they didn't do much so later on the drive home from calgary back to edmonton you know my ex told me he's like you know all those people were were like you know gang members right and their wives i'm like i i figured right so and uh one more tidbit on this um is that <clears throat> there's a tendency for uh Immigrants, you know, try try to get closer to other immigrant populations, to bigger immigrant populations. So that's why, like, you know, in the bigger cities in Canada, like Toronto, Vancouver, uh, I don't know about Montreal. I'm assuming Montreal too. Like, you know, you know, like the government makes you settle like in smaller cities, like Edmonton, uh, used to be Calgary. Calgary's kind of getting kind of big now too. They're like the fourth in the top five, I think, Canadian cities for population. They're one of the uh, gates actually um, for air travel into Canada, besides Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto, and Halifax on the east coast. The Halifax is relatively small, uh, but sometimes you know, folks you know who have lived in the biggest cities will move out to smaller centers. And I was told it was because they're hiding from the law. You know, the heat's on. They move out for a few years to you know Edmonton, Calgary. Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg, something like that, right? Just to get away from from the popo. Uh, one last thing, then this is so in the early, I think the early two thousands, two thousand tens, the Somali community uh, had a number of uh, their individuals, like generally younger men, you know, killed, right? Like in Fort, Fort McMurray, in Edmonton, right? And you know, the community in general is tight-lipped. They didn't want to talk to the police, 
right? And, you know, this, these were articles in the newspaper, and it's like, this just mirrors, you know, the Vietnamese people's experience from the 90s, right? And I guess they had this, you know, it was the same issues where the young men were expected to bring in money for their families, right? Even if they had to leave school, right? You know, so to make a quick buck, a number of them, you know, turn not necessarily to you know, dealing drugs, but, you know, to be the transporters and stuff. And then um, I'm thinking that some of these, like, where, you know, they, they were the only person, you know, to end an appointment, right? So the other guys just killed them and robbed them. Uh, you know, I don't know all the details. It just this, I'm just kind of speculating on general trends. And, you know, in the 90s, Vietnamese people were generally reticent to, you know, talking to the police, especially if anyone who had lived under, you know, a few years of the communist regime in Vietnam, because you're afraid of the secret police. You're afraid of, if you say anything, you'd be the one ending up in jail. Right? Um, but yeah, you know, it's not... And I'm sure like, if you look uh, at other countries and then their immigrant populations, right, you know, there's probably, you know, a number of bad apples. And it's like most people don't want to do this, right? Most people just want, you know, they come here, you know, build a better life for their family, right? Because you can, you'll still see it here, you know, there's still civil wars, like Syria has still in the middle of civil war, right? And, you know, you wake up, you know, I haven't been blown up, or you get on the bus, you go to work, or go to school if it's still open, and you can get home in one piece, you know. You know, that's a good day. And I, you know, when sometimes, you know, if I've, I've, had, I've been angry at, uh, you know, people I used to call friends, because they had no idea. Like, I didn't really have any idea. I, had, I only had an inkling, right, because I never directly experienced, thankfully. But, you know, from my parents telling me, telling me, uh, you know, growing up, growing up during the war, the civil, you know, Vietnamese Civil War, where the Americans were involved for for a bit, right? You know, I could kind of see, you know, why people would leave their homes. You know, they're giving everything up, right, for a chance of living a peaceful life. And then some people just see that as you know, people just trying to, you know, milk the country that takes them in. But, you know, to each their own. Anyways, that's kind of a tidbit of uh, growing up and a little bit of uh, Vietnamese, you know, the Vietnamese experience here in Western Canada. Anyways, I don't know about the East. I, you know, I haven't really talked to anyone. But uh, I'm kind of meandering on and on. Anyways, thank you for listening. Thank you for making to this end. Hopefully it'll be a cheerier one uh, after this. This is the start of March 2021. And catch you on the next one.